Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Hey, it's still hot in the summer. You got Doc Holliday here. I'm your host for Doc Holliday's Tea Party. We got another great show. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. I'm going to tell you about the show in just a moment. Don't go away. I want to tell you about this show because we got Joseph Klein on today. If you hadn't heard of Joseph Klein, he's got a book that's called Lethal Engagement. Barack Hussein Obama, Radical Islam, and the United Nations. So he'll be coming on in just a few moments. You want to hear what he has to say about what's going on in Libya, what's going on in the Middle East. So he's coming on, and uh, we'll have a great talk with him in just a few minutes. But first, let me tell you some more things as far as the news. we got some outlandish things this government's still spending on. We can't seem to find enough money. And we're talking about raising the debt limit. And the talk's ongoing. It's got this show on the air now. And all I'm saying is we have got to find out some way to make this overspending bunch of politicians understand we're tired of it. So I'm going to be talking about some of the things we're spending on that Senator Coburn's talk uh, has found out as he dug into in just one agency. So now let me go ahead and tell you about the Tombstone of the Week Award. We got a business person who's getting the Tombstone of the Week Award. You want to stay and listen, see who that is and what he said and why it should be buried six feet under the ground. Then we got this week, the Rock of Liberty speech. We're going to be talking about some of the things that are coming up. There's some things that have disturbed me. I went back last week, or a couple weeks ago, we gave the Tombstone of the Week Award to the four Republican state senators in New York who promised to vote one way and got in, got their arms twisted, and voted a different way to allow gay uh, marriage to happen in the state of New York. We're, we're finding out some repercussions already. So in the Rock of Liberty speech, we're going to be talking about some of those things. And so you need to stay on and listen to what the Rock of Liberty speech is all about today. Now, without any more delay, let's get into today's uh, discussion, some of the news. I've got to tell you about some of the news, what's going on, because the spending uh, going back and forth, having talks at the White House, the White House is saying you got to raise taxes, you got to get revenue. They won't say the word raise taxes, they say you got to invest in America, got to have some revenue. Well, by golly, it's time to stop spending. You know, we're sick and tired of that. We're sick and tired of the White House and all of what they say. Just go back to last week's Tombstone of the Week Award. Went to the administration for scaring people. And here they are saying, won't give you Social Security checks. They are they're fear-mongering, and there's no need that we can't get everybody to Social Security checks. We can get the military paid. We can pay the bondholders. Yes, we're going to stop spending on some of this junk, and I'm going to talk about it in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about what the what we said. You know, the United States Constitution. Read Article One, Section Seven. It says the House of Representatives uh, taxation or revenue bill must originate in the House of Representatives. The Speaker of the House 
trumps President Obama when it comes to the need to raise money. Where does it come from? The Speaker of the House, the People's House, trumps the White House. Remember that. Tell your congressmen. Some of them have forgot it. Tell your senators. I, I don't know if they've read the Constitution. You know, Senator Byrd that passed away a couple of years ago, he always kept a pocket Constitution. Some other senators and congressmen say they do. Well, tell them to pull it out and read Article 1, Section 7, take it to the White House, and tape it on the walls there. My goodness. Yes, before I get too hot, let me go ahead and, and tell you about some of these things that are going on. That uh, uh, this, this is what... I got all these sheets here, and I'm going to find the paper to tell you about because uh, this is what some of the things you're paying for, the taxpayers. Let me tell you about. You probably don't know how rumors get started. Do you know how they get started? Are you sure? Well, let me say, thanks to the federal government, they're paying $1 million to find out how rumors get started. Now, at the National Science Foundation, that's just one of the burning questions this administration is wasting taxpayer dollars to explore. Here's some more. Listen, do Turkish women wear veils because they're fashionable? $199,000 will get you an answer. At least it will from the, a government answer. How quickly do parents respond to trendy baby names? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Do you know how much money we're spending on that? $1 million. $1 million. And then why do the same teams always dominate March Madness? Okay. Hey, we're getting a bargain. $79,998 to find out the answer to that. And my personal favorite. <laughs> you have a personal favorite? It says, what does a low-budget robot rodeo look like? <laughs> we don't even know how much it all costs. But Senator Tom Coburn from Oklahoma, Republican, he's flushed out these and he's found out more than three billion, not million, three billion of government-sponsored fluff all in one agency. So you see why when we say don't raise the debt limit, they have got to get rid of this junk, this gunk that's gunking up the Business of America, and that's going to lead us right into the uh, Tombstone of the Week Award. Let me tell you about the Tombstone of the Week Award because it goes to a person that you may, you've heard of. He's always oh, a great CEO, some people say. Oh, just a, a fantastic CEO. You know, uh, ever heard of General Electric? Where their CEO is a good friend of President Obama. He's on the White House economic team. For the Tombstone of the Week Award, listen to this. These comments were made by the chairman and CEO of uh, GE, General Electric. He's also uh, part of the uh, Obama administration as far as economic advisor. And basically, this is what he said. He said, the people, quote, this is Jeffrey Emmelt, quote, the people who are part of the business sector the people in this room have got to stop complaining about government and get some action underway. There's no excuse today for lack of leadership. The truth is all we need to be a part of the solution. Well, unquote. Well, crying out loud. <laughs> we, we got a fan of Obama telling the business community, it's your fault. 
You're not hiring people. It's your fault. This economy is, is going down the drains. Well, somebody tell me, would somebody please tell him and all the business, I'm a small business owner, but you look at all the regulation that this president has put into place, look at his EPA director, administrator, and what she has done, that is killing businesses. We could have jobs by the hundreds of the thousands, but for the regulation that you've heard here on Doc Holiday Tea Party from the uh, coal mining up in West Virginia, to all the new carbon mandates that's put on these the coal-burning uh, electrical generating plants. Your electricity bill is going up. Your energy bill is going up. Not because of business. Not because of big business. Not because of companies. It's going up because of the regulations put on by this president and his administration. And we have this CEO from General Electric, a part of the Obama team, telling us and getting on the business and saying, it's your fault, you need to be hired. I've said it here before, I'll say it again, businesses hire when they know they can make more profit. And when you stack up regulations and you start building the mandates and this Obamacare, the health care plan, you put the screws to the business, and they're scared, they have uncertainty, they say, what can we expect one year down the road, two years down the road, five years down the road, how can they plan when you don't know, you fill us with uncertainty, we don't know about the tax rates, and that is the very reason the CEO of G General Electric, Jeffrey Emmelt, gets this week's Tombstone of the Week Award, because what his words were when he blamed everything on the businesses, they need to be buried six feet in the ground. We need to get an administration and people who know how to run a business and stop these regulations that are killing jobs. They're killing jobs. It makes me sick when I think of this administration. They talk about how many jobs have been created and, and saved. It's like, it's like some... They think it's a revival team there saying we're saving jobs. Like we save souls and we're saving jobs. You don't save a job. You give a job, create a job, you make a job happen. You don't save jobs like you save a person's soul. Okay. Tombstone of the Week Award. That's this week. Now we have got to get on with the interview with Joseph Klein. So Hold on your horses, hold on to the reins, hold on, and we're going to get Joseph Klein on the telephone right here. Joe, uh, welcome to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Well, thanks for having me, Doc. Well, we're glad to have you on our show today, and one of the things we, we have a, every week, we have what we call a Tombstone of the Week Award, where I give to somebody's actions or what they've done about uh, that should be buried six feet underground under a tombstone, and just a couple weeks ago... Uh, the Tombstone of the Week Award went to President Obama's words and policy about Libya. Uh, can you tell me why uh, America is fighting a war in Libya and uh, Congress has given no authorization, no approval, not anything? I you know, wish I, I could tell you that there was a sound rationale, but there isn't. Uh, former Secretary of State Robert Gates even said that we have no strategic interest at stake in Libya. Uh, I think President Obama, in the words of one of his administration members, said, uh, 
you know, that he was leading from behind. He's just doing it because the rest of the uh, international community and the United Nations told him to do it. Well, we're going in the fourth month. Is, is that not right, the fourth month of this war? Yeah, we're past three months. We're way past the time when President Obama was supposed to get congressional authorization under the War Powers Resolution. And this former constitutional law professor who lectured us during the presidential campaign about the limits of presidential power and war making is thumbing uh, his nose at Congress and the Constitution. Well, tell me about the... Now, I'm just a common citizen. I'm not going to say I'm an expert in anything, but I do want to know what, when it says, when the President Obama says we're, it's a non-hostile war, I mean, when you kill people, is that not hostility? Well, you know, it reminds me when Bill, when Bill Clinton a few years ago said it depends what the word is, is. I mean, this is just nonsense. And uh, coming from a, a, a lawyer, from, again, a former constitutional law professor, he should be ashamed of himself. You know, we're dropping bombs from our drones. We're flying uh, armed sorties in, in support of NATO. And by the way, we are basically NATO. We pay most of the bills and provide right. logistics and everything. Uh, our troops are in harm's way. They're getting combat pay for what they're doing, which they should. But, but they're certainly in harm's way. And, and uh, you know, the fact is we're over the airspace of, of a foreign country that posed no threat at this time to the United States. And we're, I think if we were uh, on the receiving end of bombs dropped from the sky, we'd think that was a hostile act. Well, the, the other thing you just mentioned, that we are most of a NATO. Now, how, how is NATO fighting this war? And we're just being a little... Uh, and evidently, the President Obama says we're not doing much as far as uh, hostile activities. Now, what would if America was absolutely not into this? How much would NATO be able to fight the war? Well, apparently not too well, because uh, if, if they're really doing all of the hard work, then maybe then why shouldn't we just get out and let them do it? You know, I mean, uh, we've got the surveillance capabilities, we've got the advanced technology. We've got the money, and we've got the best trained military in the world. And without any of that, the rest of NATO is pretty much worthless. Well, you say worthless. I know. I know they. The French are flying. The British are flying. So I. I, I can't. I, I can't let you say worthless. But uh, what do you mean by that? Well, first of all, I mean just don't, don't forget who bailed the French out in World War One and World War Two. Well, <laughs> uh, the French are, uh, and, and, and the French, you know, left, really retreated initially in Vietnam, as unfortunately we did years later, but yeah. they created the mess. I don't think the French are really known for their military prowess. Uh, the British, uh, that's somewhat of a different story. But what I mean by worthless is that without U.S. financial resources, our technology, and our advanced military training, the rest of NATO wouldn't be very effective. Well, I, I think what you're saying, too, is if we did not have, you know, the, the aircraft, I mean, the, the, the ships and everything and the surveillance in the area, then the NATO wouldn't be able to op much. No, I mean, that? look, they are, they are uh, 
with us the rest of NATO uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, I'm not I'm not diminishing the bravery of their soldiers and the sacrifices they have made, but the United States in Afghanistan and Iraq and just about everywhere else where we've been engaged, we do the lion's share. We sacrifice the lion's share in blood and money. And, and recall that that's what Secretary of Defense Robert Gates was saying uh, in the last days of his tenure. He, he scolded NATO for essentially being ineffective. And, and not putting up their end of the financial end. Is that, isn't that correct? That's correct. That's correct. You know, they're, they're free riding on, on, on the backs of the uh, American taxpayers and, and our soldiers. Well, getting back to the Libya operation as it exists, now the way I understood it, the from what has come out in news reports, the Pentagon lawyers pretty much said this was Libya a conflict was under the War Powers Act. But uh, did that? How, how did President Obama decide that it was not under the War Powers Act? Well, you know, Obama, of course, is a, is a Harvard uh, trained lawyer, so he and, and as I mentioned, he did teach constitutional law, I believe, at the University of Chicago. So he fancies himself uh, as as probably the best lawyer in his own administration. And let me and tell he found my, a couple I, of lawyers, uh, I think in the you know the White House Council mm-hmm. and oh, I think at the State Department, that backed the absurd view that we're not engaged in hostilities. And as you mentioned, he just ignored the advice of, of the Justice Department lawyer and the Defense Department lawyers who, uh, you know, we're telling the truth. And, we and, are engaged in And, Joe, I was going to tell my listeners, now, you said that, uh, of course, President Obama's Harvard-trained law uh, attorney, and, and uh, so are you. Is that not right? Well, that's right. That's right. And uh, I actually studied constitutional law under uh, former uh, late special prosecutor Archibald Cox of Watergate fame. You know, I, I think I could say, uh, based on my own study of, the Constitution, the War Powers Resolution, and just common sense that President Obama is completely wrong, and I think he knows in his heart he's wrong in trying to deny that we are engaged in supporting uh, hostilities, if not outright involved in them, as we drop bombs from our drones over the airspace of Libya. Well, Joe, let me ask you this. Now, I know... When President Bush was in Iraq and Afghanistan and directing forces as commander in chief, there was a there was a, like a, a unnerving war from the far left that could not let it go, protesting, protesting. Now I don't see that in the press against President Obama. Uh, can you explain that? No, you're absolutely right, uh, and I've written about this. Uh, this is a double standard. Of course, we see a lot of examples of a double standard on the left uh, during the Bush administration. President, you know, or then Senator Barack Obama, and the Democratic establishment in Congress and in the mainstream press went after Bush viciously, calling him everything from a war criminal. Uh, to an imperialist president who was violating the Constitution and uh, international law and human rights. Uh, and let's not forget, Bush actually did get congressional authorization. Yeah, that, that was we a big difference. Iraq. You're right. And, and before we went into Afghanistan, he, he followed the Constitution and the War Powers Resolution. And uh, initially, a, a lot of the Democratic leaders in 
the Senate and the House voted for the authorization. But then when they saw it was becoming politically unpopular and they were trying to use to their partisan advantage uh, some of the initial bumps in the road we had in, in Iraq, they went after Bush viciously. And I frankly think, and this may sound strong, but I think in a, in a sense they went so far in terms of delegitimizing what we were doing that they were betraying their country and betraying our military who were on the front lines there. But do you, uh, what do you mean by betraying? Well, you know, it's one thing to have honest disagreements and dissent. Right. Uh, it's another thing to call your commander-in-chief during wartime a liar, a killer, a violator of, of international law and human rights, and go after him in, in a personal way and effectively undermine the legitimacy of America's position in the war. Uh, you know, uh, uh, George Bush may have been wrong uh, ultimately about whether there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, but he believed, like everyone at the time, Democrat as well as Republicans, and most of the intelligence services around the world, that there were weapons of mass destruction, and we could not take that chance after 9-11. Well, I agree with you on that, and I want to move on. We're talking about Libya and the role of what we're doing over there. Do you see a place, the whatever President Obama's strategy is or whatever his Middle East policy is, where does Libya fit into that Middle East policy, or does he have one? Well, it doesn't really fit in in any sensible sense or uh, sensible way. Uh, the initial rationale for going into Libya was to save as many as 10,000 civilians in the town of Benghazi in eastern Libya from the imminent threat of massacre by Gaddafi's force. That humanitarian effort, one can say, under those circumstances and given the threats that Gaddafi was making, may have been justified to go in surgically, stop that threat, establish a no-fly zone so that Gaddafi could not strafe his population from the air, but we did that in the first three or four days, right. and uh, there's no need three months plus later for us to still be mired in what's looking like a civil war and supporting rebels who we don't know who they are. Some of them may actually be aligned with al-Qaeda. Well, uh, Joe, would you even, I don't know if you'd go this far, but it seems like NATO keeps bombing, trying to kill Gaddafi. Is this a, would you call this an assassination attempt on Gaddafi by an American uh, forces? Well, uh, you know, again, it's, it's uh, mostly the French and the British with their planes and helicopters that have been bombing in Tripoli and trying to go after Gaddafi, although we've been helping them. And yes, I think it is an, uh, an assassination attempt. It goes beyond the scope of the U.N. Security Council resolution that authorized limited, limited military action to protect civilians. Now, they're stretching it and saying, well, killing Gaddafi will protect civilians. But meanwhile, we're taking civilian lives, or NATO forces are taking civilian lives and trying to get him. Have you seen any estimates about how many lives are lost? I, I can't. I can't come up with any. I didn't know if uh, you've been able I to know find that, any. I know that uh, NATO did admit to at least some uh, fatalities in the last week or so. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, again, it's, it's, it's one thing to, 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 to protect 
the civilians on the ground from overwhelming force by Gaddafi, uh, who was prepared to, to, to massacre them. I understand that. Uh, but that when doesn't you say justify you three-plus months of being mired down in the Civil War. But, but Joe, you would say doing a no-fly zone, you would have been all right with that, do that, and then get out. That's but, correct. That's correct. And if NATO or the Arab League, frankly, which, which asked us to get involved, have they paid to us anything? It, that's fine. But look what's happening in Sudan. I mean, Gaddafi is, is, is it's like a kindergarten compared to what President Bashir is doing in Sudan. Uh, he's, he's, as we speak, is massacring defenseless people in the mountains. Of Sudan is this southern Sudan or the well the, now it's it. actually part of the north the Nubia Mountains mm -hmm. where there's a black population some Muslims some Christians some animists uh, who he's just mowing down simply and, because they oppose him and we hadn't heard anything about a no-fly zone there have we no nor in Syria and I was about to say ask you about Syria that that they've killed thousands now in Syria it seems like that we know they've killed of. thousands plus uh, uh, they're in alliance with Iran which is helping the, the Syrian regime put down its own people uh, you asked before whether we have a rational strategy in the Middle East the answer is no because here we are mired down in Libya in North Africa because the international community told Obama that's what he should do. But we can't even get the mildest resolution passed in the Security Council just condemning the Syrian regime for, for doing what it's doing. We still have our ambassador there. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton just a few weeks ago continued to call President Assad in Syria a reformer. Uh, we're letting Iran continue on its march toward nuclear weapons, and just yesterday they tested a surface-to-surface -surface missile that could attack Israel and, and attack some of our own bases. And, uh, and he's doing nothing. And Joe, that's what it, I know we're getting to the end of the interview here, and I know you got a book out called uh, 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 Tell People It's Lethal it, Engagement. Yeah, the book is, is uh, aptly named Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, the United Nations, and Radical Islam. And I took the term lethal engagement because Obama said his whole policy is based on the notion that we need to engage with our enemies which he's done with Syria, he's tried to do with Iran, and we need to engage with the, the Muslim world, including the radical Muslim Brotherhood, and that's fatal to our country's national security and to our freedoms, and that's what I describe in Lethal Engagement, which is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. can be ordered through your listeners' local bookstores, and I have a website, LethalEngagement.com, where there's more information about the book and some of my blog posts. Well, Joe, I appreciate you being on the show. We need to get you back sometime because I know there's so much more I want to ask you because of your book. I tell everybody to go get your book, and and we can see that President Obama's uh, Middle East policy, to me, doesn't make sense. Uh, but tell, uh, and this is what we'll end on. Just tell me what you see in the future in the next couple of years. Well, I just, I just see more drifting. I see Iran probably getting a nuclear arms uh, capability, uh, with, uh, you know, unless Israel takes the risk and tries to stop them. Mm -hmm. And I see uh, more examples of Obama kicking Israel under the bus to placate the Muslim world. Well, Joe, I appreciate your uh, point of view, and, and our listeners do, and I'm glad to have you on the show. 
And thank you very much for being on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Well, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, that was Joseph Klein. We're so glad he came on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Very knowledgeable, very knowledgeable man. And I'm glad he was on our um, Tea Party show today. And you can remember he uh, wrote the book called Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, Radical Islam, and the United Nations. So uh, pick up his book. Go, like he said, Amazon. Uh, go Joseph Klein. Check out that book on Amazon or books, bookstores generally anywhere. So let me go ahead and tell you about the Rock of Liberty speech. Let me tell you a little bit what we got going on. This Rock of Liberty speech, it goes back to what I said a couple weeks ago. We had a Tombstone of the Week award given to four state senators in the state of New York, four Republicans. You can go back and listen to it. Tea Party Review magazine and they look at their uh, Tombstone of the Week awards lined up there. And I remind those who don't have a subscription yet to the Tea Party Review magazine, go to uh, my banner and click on and uh, get you a subscription. Best new magazine in the country today. Guarantee you. Now, let me go ahead and tell you some about this Rock of Liberty speech and what concerns me. After we gave the Tombstone of the Week award, I've been keeping up with some things, and now uh, the news item came out a week or so ago about New York town clerk quits over gay marriage license. They got somebody losing a job. They had religious r reasons why they didn't want to sign a marriage certificate for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman, so they quit. Now, what does that mean to you? You say, oh, well... What does it mean to you? Well, it's starting to concern me now. There's a man named uh, Frank Turek that uh, had a wonderful job, did things, but in his off time, he was a Christian counselor, uh, debater, talked about his views, but nothing to do with what he did at his business, but he was fired by Cisco because he said some things that made the uh, homosexual activist very upset because he was what he was saying, he felt what he believed, but somebody doesn't like somebody else's freedom of speech, so they they complain, and, they, and Cisco fired him. And I'm thinking, people are losing their jobs. Is this, what's the Tea Party all about? It's about our freedoms. We're losing freedoms. If you can't say what you want to say, I'm for freedom of speech, but if you get up in freedom of speech and say what you want to say, and people, you lose your job, you get fired, somebody's losing the rights and it's happening more and more and so that concerns me when all of a sudden the state of new york says we're going to have gay marriage and, and it got the bout because some republicans turned into benedict arnold's they they campaigned one way that they were for one man and one woman marriage and then they they turned around and and absolutely <clears throat> stabbed their constituents in the back I hope they get defeated. I hope they get thrown out. Because anytime you stand up and you tell people you're going to vote one way and you do another, you should be kicked out of office. Please, please. This is what the Tea Party's about, but it does concern me. And that's why this Rock of Liberty speech, I was just telling you about that. There's another thing. Everybody thought, oh, well, let's, you know, if, if two people love each other, they ought to get married. Well, how far does that go? Now we got uh, out here out west in Utah. There's a there's a clan that's uh, suing to. Well, let me just tell you, there's traditional marriage activists or gay rights activists who don't 
want to see the debate about same-sex marriage dragged down the slippery slope when they're trying to build on momentum from New York. You know, who, who's more angry about what's going on in Utah because they're challenging the constitutionality of Utah's polygamy law. A man and a man won't get married. Why can't a man and a woman and a woman and a woman and a woman and a woman? <laughs> well, that's now, is it constitutional to say they can't get uh, married? Or, and they're saying the lawsuit's not about getting married. They don't want to get married. They just don't want to be thrown in jail for uh, uh, living uh, in, in polygamy. So it has opened up a Pandora's box. America... America, uh, which way we're going. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Next week's show, we're going to get on Dr. Michael Brown. He's worked with the homosexual community for many years. He's, uh, he, he knows many folks in it. He's not a proponent of gay rights. In fact, he, he, he's a proponent of, of people loving each other and being able to find some way without changing the marriage laws. And there's reasons why, so come back next week. We're going to get Dr. Michael Brown to try to explain to us why uh, what happened in New York and in other states when you pass gay marriage laws, how does it affect you and me, the common citizens? So come back next week, and I want to uh, ask Dr. Brown several things that just help me better understand what's going on, and is it good for America or is it bad for America? Or will it not matter at all? Let's ask Dr. Brown next week. So come back to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I am watching what's going on with the debt limit. And you listen here. We are going to hold our ground at Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You tell your senator, you tell your congressman to hold that line. Don't raise that debt limit. If they don't find some way to cut spending and not raise taxes, don't do it. Do not do it. Why? Because we won't go into default unless we have an idiot, an absolute idiot, handing out the checks. I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. But surely, surely, for the sake of our children and our grandparents and, our, and, and all the elderly, we don't have an idiot that will hand out the checks. So let's find out what's going on next week in Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm signing off. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. And remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide, from the Boston Tea Party to today's Tea Party Revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.